You are the fairest of the sons of men. Grace is poured upon your lips. Therefore God has blessed you forever. Gird your sword upon your thigh, O mighty one, in your glory and majesty. In your majesty ride forth victoriously for the cause of truth and to defend the right. Let your right hand teach you dread deeds. Those are verses 2 through 4 of Psalm 45, which is the psalm appointed for today, Tuesday, April the 27th, 2021. You're listening to Faith Seeking Understanding, and I'm your host, John Green. That psalm is written actually for an earthly king. And so the first thing you have to do when you read that is you're reading it to Jesus, essentially. You're, You're ascribing all these things to him as you read it. It's a beautiful psalm. Um, but it is a little tricky to, <laughs> to get right, and especially to use in the way that, we, that we're using it today at the beginning of the podcast. It's, it's, it's the reminder, though, of what this psalm actually is. It was written for the king, but we have a king named Jesus to whom we sing this same thing, <clears throat> and we ascribe him everything we would ascribe to any earthly king, and then more and more and more. Um, the proper way to praise him and to worship him we see in revelation 5 actually with the new song there that's written in praise to the one the lamb standing before the throne as over slain so we sing that to jesus we sing every hymn of praise to him so in in the book of wisdom where we are again today we're going to continue in this book for a couple of weeks actually um so we we looked yesterday at the wicked and the unrighteous, the ungodly, those who deny the resurrection, those who deny eternity for humanity, and and their way of looking at the world. And Solomon, remember, in Ecclesiastes, remember Solomon, we believe to be the writer of the Book of Wisdom, it it bears so many um, resemblances to Ecclesiastes and to other wisdom literature that that Solomon is credited with writing. And so there's so many of the same thoughts that are in this. So in wisdom, um, what we see now is the souls of the righteous are in the hand of God, and there shall no torment touch them. In the sight of the unwise, they seem to die, and their departure is taken from misery. They're going from us to be utter destruction, but they're in peace. For though they be punished in the sight of men, yet is their hope full of immortality. And having been a little chastised, they shall be greatly rewarded. For God proved them and found them worthy for himself. As gold in the furnace hath he tried them and received them as a burnt offering. And in the time of their visitation they shall shine and run to and fro like sparks among the stubble. They'll judge the nations and have dominion over the people. And their Lord shall reign forever. That they, put their trust in him shall understand, they that put their trust in him shall understand the truth, and such as be faithful in love shall abide with him, for grace and mercy is to his saints, and he hath care for his elect. So Solomon, here in wisdom, is telling us, don't worry about what other people think. Don't be like them. Don't be like them at all. Understand that written in your very soul is eternity. And that there is the resurrection of the dead. And that this life is not to be got through with gritted teeth, but it's to be got through with the understanding that there is suffering in this world and in this life. And and face that fact and reality head on with the knowledge of eternity. And, And you gain that through faith and belief. And so we don't grit our teeth and get through this life. No, we put a smile on our face and we thank God for everything that happens to us. We thank, we're thankful in all things. You know, we receive not everything with gladness, 
but we receive it not with stoicism. We receive life on the terms that it is. A few years ago, I preached at a funeral of a young man, and, and on the way there, I, I had to pull over and have Suzanne drive because I had something prepared and, and realized as I started to go down there that, that that was not the right thing to say, that there was something else God wanted me to say. And, and I'll give you a little preview of, of what I said that day to a 24-year-old young man who died. Terrible tragedy. Never quite been sure what happened that day, in fact, or what caused him to die. It wasn't a drug overdose. It wasn't any of the things that people thought that it might be when we did the funeral. Um, but, but I knew that I was going to be speaking to an awful lot of young people. I didn't know if most of the people there who were going to be believers or not, but what I needed to, for people to know was the very simple truth that's here in this wisdom literature and in this lesson, and that is this. Is there anybody who would create a world in which it was possible that a 24-year-old man full of life would die? And of course the answer is no. Everybody is repulsed by the idea that that could happen. And the reality is God didn't create that world either. That was not the intention in the creation of the world. It became a fact in the world because of sin. Not by God, but by us. And that's the thing that Solomon's pointing us to. It's the thing that Jesus came to point to as well. And that is there's redemption of all of this. That this world is the way it is because of sin. But Jesus came to redeem us and give us hope that we can set our eyes above this world. And we can become like him. Because this world is not our home. And we know that. And we know that there is a day coming and there is a world coming that is exactly the world that we all believe should exist but does not. The biggest issue we have, the biggest issue we all have, is reminding ourselves that this world is the way it is because of us, not because of him. My sin caused all the horrible things in the world. G.K. Chesterton was asked at one point to write an essay on what's wrong with the world, and his response was, it's me. I'm what's wrong with the world. I, a sinful human being, am the source of all the problems in this world. And, and it's true. And so it, what that should tell us is tread lightly. Be careful. Don't be judgmental. Don't point out other people's sins because yours are abundant. My attitudes, my whatevers, you know. Um, that's the thing that we need to remember. But we, we need to focus on there is a world where everything we believe to be right and good and true will be. And we want to participate in that through all eternity. And that's the point that wisdom is pointing us to is, is to say if we can transcend this world, we can transcend the suffering of this world by reminding ourselves and keeping our sights set on the reality that there's this thing called eternity <laughs> that we're going to live into. And, and that, it, that, that we need to become the people today who are the right kind of people to live in that world. And so we need to be honest and zealous about sin in our own lives and dealing with those sins so that we might share in that as well. Not because of our own merits, because Jesus did all the work necessary, all the work that could be done. It's not our merits. But, but what we say is if, if, if that's the world, the kingdom we desire to live in, well, then be those citizens today. Be the kind of person who could live in that without messing it up. So in the Luke passage, in the gospel passage today, Jesus tells the contours of that. First thing he does is he calls the disciples to himself, and then he calls the twelve. And he chooses those and said, you're the ones who are going to be the ones to carry this on. And then the last one is Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. 
So even in the even in the the twelve that he chose, one was a traitor. And then he comes down with them and stood on a level place with a great crowd of disciples and a great multitude of people from Judea, Jerusalem, the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon, who came to hear him and be healed of their diseases and who were also troubled with unclean spirits, and they were cured. And all the crowd sought to touch him, for power came forth from him and healed them all. Oh, my. How wonderful would that be? What would it be like to, to come into the presence of Jesus and be completely healed? simply because the power was there to heal you of whatever infirmity you might have, whether it's an infirmity of spirit, of mind, or physical infirmity. It, it, it's an amazing thought, but it's true. And you can reach out and touch Him through prayer. You have the opportunity to reach out right now and ask Him to heal you. And then He lifts up His eyes on His disciples, and He pronounces what we know are the Beatitudes, and this is the Luke version of those Beatitudes, and, and there's a parallelism in it. Listen to this, because uh, I'm just going to read them in parallel. I'm not going to read them, you know, sort of in verse order. <clears throat> Blessed are you poor, for yours is the kingdom of heaven. Woe to you that are rich, for you've received your consolation. Blessed are you that hunger now, for you'll be satisfied. Woe to you that are full now, for you'll hunger. Blessed are you that weep now, for you shall laugh. Woe to you that laugh now, for they shall mourn and weep. Blessed are you when men hate you, and when they exclude you, and revile you, and cast you out as, cast out your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day, and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven, for so their fathers did to the prophets. Woe to you when all men speak well of you, for so their fathers did to the false prophets. So you can see those the parallels there, the blessings and the woes that are pronounced in these situations and, and so Jesus is telling us something really simple here and that really simple thing is the thing we get exactly wrong it's amazing the health and wealth gospel is is the most seductive false gospel in the world and the reason I know it's a false gospel is this this passage right here don't take your delight in the things of this earth if you're taking your delight in the things of this earth, Jesus says, then, then you've gotten everything you're ever going to get. John MacArthur said about the book called Living Your Best Life Now, he said, if you're living your best life now, then that means you're going to spend eternity in hell. Because if you're seeking after all these things here on earth, if that is your best life, then you miss the point. You're missing the gospel. And so it's incumbent upon us to have a different set of priorities and a different set of values. And then the question is, do we? And it's the same thing Solomon's pointing us to. It's the same thing Ecclesiastes points us to, that vanity, vanity, all is vanity. Everything under the sun, he says, is vanity. It, it, it goes away like smoke, like mist. It's a shadow. It's like Plato's cave. You're seeing shadows of things that are, not the things themselves. And so eternity is eternity, and this is temporary. I mean, you're going to live 70, 80 years, and then you're going to be gone forever. But that's only from this earth and from this body and from this life. There is eternal life that you're called to, and you're called to set your sights on that. It's not easy. It's not natural, but it is if you're in the Spirit. And that's the thing is we got to live more from the Spirit and less from the Spirit that's in us, the Spirit of the world, the Spirit that's sin. 
in Colossians, Paul's pointing directly to Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. In him all things were created, in heaven and earth, visible and invisible, thrones, dominions, principalities, or authorities. They were all created through him and for him. He's before all things, and in him all things hold together. He's the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything, because he was firstborn of all creation, he's the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Jesus laid down equality with God. Didn't even count that a thing to be grasped. Laid that down and was found in the image of man and crucified on a Roman cross for you, for me, for love of us. Greater love had no man than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. That's who he called us to be. He showed us the way to live in this life. He showed us how to know what was important in this life. And Paul says that, that you who were once estranged and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he's now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and irreproachable before him, provided (laughs) that you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel which you've heard, which has been preached to every creature under heaven and for which I, Paul, became a minister. Paul laid down everything. He laid down every bit of his life, everything that he had worked for up until the time that he met Jesus on the road to Damascus, he left behind. He, he no less than the disciples Jesus called, laid down everything, left it all behind. Everything that he had, he counted as loss for the sake of Christ Jesus. He saw that treasure in the field, the pearl of great price, and he grasped it. He spent his whole life grasping that thing because there was nothing more important to Paul and nothing was going to keep him from having that. What's your precious? To use Lord of the Rings terminology, what's your precious? What's that thing that means more to you than anything else? If it's not the kingdom of God, then Paul would say, lay that down. Let that go. If that's your thing, if that's your precious, then you're probably not becoming the person Jesus intended you to be. That thing is shaping you more than he is. For the love of God, lay that thing down and become the person you were intended to be. Allow the love of God to shape you into the person you're intended to be. Not that other stuff. Uh Uh-uh. Let it go. That's a hard ask. But he didn't ask you to get on a cross and die. He asked you to follow him. And following means forsaking everything else in order to have that kingdom which is eternal. 